Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 268 on Tuesday, the 30th of July, 2019. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And on this monumental week where we're both together on the same podcast, we'll be asking how one CEO has felt the need to repeat something to those who missed it the first time. We'll also be asking how long the government can send out mixed messages for. And we chat about specific cars that have made a difference. But first, we have some follow-up. And it is a very old friend. Dieselgate is back. By the way, just to let everyone know, a hello, I'm Alan. Sometimes I co-present this podcast. And um, tonight, it's it's doom and gloom much of the way through. So we're going to try and race through this as quickly as we can. We are indeed. I'll stop interrupting. Let's get on with it. So the first of the Dieselgate, or the only Dieselgate news, is that the UK, um, what do they call it? It's a... Um, Oh, I've forgotten the technical term because I'm useless. It's, Lawyers. No, no, no. It's the it's a class, class action. action. That's that's what I was struggling for. Good God, see, I'm so unused to having Alan about. <laughs> He's put me off. So the 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 uh, class action uh, attempt in the UK is actually got a court date for next year now, and in it we now know the three things. It's going to be a civil case as well. So we know the three test there's a threefold test apparently of which they've uh, of which the class action are claiming that Volkswagen owes the owners lots of money for mm-hmm. many things the first is that uh, the they they breached its duty of care because they fitted a defeat device Volkswagen denies that it is an illegal device yeah and the next thing is that they have to establish that there's causation so that means that there is proof between uh, a, a link of damage or harm to the car and the defeat device software. So this is where the whole, oh, my car is so bad on MPG now, they've fixed the software. And it was mm-hmm. wonderful before, even though I didn't get it serviced, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we've seen a lot yeah. of that happen. And now possibly we know why we saw a lot of that in the press uh, being shouted about. So mm-hmm. <laughs> not say, not saying I'm a little bit cynical here, but <laughs> yeah, well, I, I am. I have doses and dollops of cynicism about this kind of stuff. But yeah, keep going. What's the third one then? Oh, and the third bit is that they're pushing for exemplary damages uh, because of the alleged deceit. Now the thing is, though, that you've got to before you get damages, you've got to claim that you're out of pocket. Mm. Um, you know, you've got to prove that you're out of pocket. Now, the thing is that for for this to for anybody to get a penny, all three of these have to be proven as as true. Yep. I mean, they've had to weed out loads. I mean, the the people who the lawyers who are are running on the side of the prosecution, the prosecutors Slater and Gordon, they have had to actually go through and weed out all the possible people claiming who who aren't actually you know Volkswagen owners. <laughs> Including going to some Jeep and Jaguar have had to be taken off the list because, frankly, why would Volkswagen be paying out compensation to them? <laughs> this is going to be long. It's going to be complex. It's going to be pretty horrible. Uh, there are relatively big guns that are in there. So the Slater and Gordon prosecuting Volkswagen's defendants are Freshfield. If you've heard of London law firms. They are Freshfields and then the very Germanic-sounding company they merged with recently. Lost it now. This is going to be this is going to be big. Now, if, of course, there's a win, we all know who's going to win the most out of this, isn't it? It's going to be Slater and Gordon. Well, you and say that, actually. They're... And there's a capital company behind them as well. Ethereum Capital, who funded this, who, hmm. <laughs> because there's, there's discussions further down in the Autocar article, which will be linked in the show notes as ever. And they talk about, oh, it's estimating damages of £2,000 per car, which is apparently going to be made up of the losses on residual values. Good luck proving that. Breach yeah. of contract and unfair trading regulations related to finance agreement. But Slater and Gordon and the other lawyers involved in this class action will take at least 30% of that. Mm-hmm. However, there are others who have spoken to Autoco who reckon they're going to get a couple of hundred quid to a maximum yeah. of a thousand pound a car, which then means if so, it, as Autocar uh, explains, if the damages are expected to average one thousand pound per claim, that will be ninety-seven million in total, and well short of Slater and Gordon's hundreds of millions of estimates. 
which is ex- <laughs> which, and that's important because third, the law eh? firm that's, has had that financial backing and they want well, payback. Thir- well, that's thirty million that goes straight to Slater and Gordon, and then Ethereum Capital take their cut of that. Mm. So, uh, to be honest, if you're in this, you're not. You know, if you can buy yourself a nice meal at the end of it, I'll be amazed. Uh, yeah, if if they can win it. I'm still, they can win it. I mean, I'm still struggling case. to understand how they can get past point one, which is that the defeat device was illegal in the EU. It wasn't. It, it wasn't. Was, it's, it wasn't. Which is why the, the whole tests have been changed Just, and blah, 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 that we've talked about many times in nearly, nearly they, there four was, years. So there was illegality in the US, but not in, in the EU. Yeah. That's, that's the thing about this. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I think it's a – I think it's – I'm prepared to be proven wrong, but I think it's a silly, silly thing to be doing, to be perfectly frank. Yep, I agree. Right, let's move on. Uh, so, speaking, still speaking of diesel emissions, or emissions in general, some Euro 6 diesel cars are failing roadside emissions tests. Because this is this. following up on the Nissan Cash Cow article that we talked about last week that mentioned how Nissan are not actually going to retrofit anything to their cash cows, even though they do emit more and Renault are with the same engine. Right, it's the same retrofitting engine. Retrofitting yeah. <laughs> to their cars. <laughs> yeah, so we'll talk around possible reasons for that shortly. Um, but there are a bunch of other, of other vehicles that are, are linked in this. There's an A to E score, and it's this has all been highlighted by a company called Allow Independent Road Testing, who. Oh, there we go. Yeah. It's an organization whose index ratings corroborate real world DVSA test results, quote unquote, the motoring research article here. Uh, they say that some of the fully homologated Euro 6 vehicles are emitting 20 times the nitrous oxide limit observed in official tests. That's because it's not an official test. Yeah, th- this is my problem with uh, when uh, companies yeah. and organizations and NGOs sort of start jumping up and down. You go, right, okay, what's what's the real reason? We have to dig behind the headlines. Yeah, I, I don't know where their funding is coming from, and that's the first thing that makes me a bit, bit sniffy. And they want a slice of the testing, I would imagine, oh, yeah. slice of the testing uh, monies that are out there. So... How scientific is their test to say that it is producing, you know, 20 times more, allegedly, mm-hmm. than the official tests? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't, don't know. I don't know because I don't know enough about testing. And we have no information in this article to explain what their test does anyway. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, However, it's worth mentioning, though, that, that some vehicles... so. The ones mentioned here that are not great is, well, the worst of the lot was the Nissan Qashqai, certainly of the ones they tested. Renault Kadjar is 13 times, allegedly. Uh, Astra, BMW 1 Series diesels, Hyundai Tucson, Jaguar F-Base, Volvo XC60 are somewhere in the middle with a C rating. But there are some vehicles that do very well out of this, including stuff like the the Benz uh, E220D, which uh, which which uh, puts out less than half of the 80 milligrams per kilometer nitrous oxide output, uh, which means it gets an A rating. There we go. Yep. It's the, what they're really highlighting is Euro 6 might not be the best thing to, to list it on, but Euro 6 is one set of tests. Uh, and if you run a different set of tests, you'll get a different set of results. Who'd have thought it? Yeah, exactly. Wonderful. I knew I did A-level physics for a reason. <laughs> Uh, do you want to highlight the bleeding obvious that's been highlight that we've highlighted before? Yes, let's talk about something that we've already talked about, which is why it's in follow up. But if you remember, dear listener, that when uh, PSA confirmed that Ellesmere Port will get the next generation Vauxhall Astra, there was a slight caveat. I think it was will probably get the next generation Vauxhall Astra. There was there's just a smidgen of a caveat. It depends on whether Brexit. How Brexit is implemented by the UK's government, and uh, Carlos Tavares, who's the CEO of PSA, has had a conversation with Financial Times. So they've released a, a couple of interviews over a few days, and he makes it very clear that it, if Ellesmere Port is unprofitable due to the new conditions in which the country will trade and interact with the rest of the world, then they will not build the new Astra here because they're not a charity. (laughs) Given the way the exchange rate is today, 
lowest it's been in many years, then, you know, it'll only cost £2.50 to make it here. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it'll cost far more in all the taxes to get all the bits back and forth, but hey, it's going to be so cheap compared to the euro. <laughs> so that would then leave only uh, the Luton plant, wouldn't it? Yeah, which is uh, building vans. Yeah. So it's taking on the... I've forgotten the names now. Uh, it's Dispatch, isn't it? Citroen Dispatch, Peugeot. The one that sisters with the... Toyota. Toyota, large So the Toyota, one. Vauxhall, Peugeot, Space Citroen. Tour is the Citroen. That's the bunny. Yeah, that's the passenger version. Yeah. But yes, that's that's what's being made in, in Luton now, is all the right-hand drives. Okay. Should we move on to new news? Not that it's great, but... We can do. Well, well uh, let's, let's try and get through it. Do, do, must, must we? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's get through it. Let's, let's take a okay. deep breath. <laughs> Nissan is threatening to cut uh, 12,500 jobs worldwide, given the fact that they are absolutely not making any money whatsoever. They have an aging vehicle range. They have too many cars. They're going to have to cut. But that's more than we were initially... It was initially hinted, because it was... I mean, it's not massively more, but it, we were initially told 10,000, weren't we? Yeah. Then when the actual news comes out. But the thing is that on Thursday, you know, they announced a 94.5% fall in net profit for the first quarter of 2019. Mm. I mean, that's not great. No. Is that because they were too busy stabbing each other in the back? <laughs> yes. Basically, yes, Andrew. <laughs> the problem is that they don't have a firm hand at the tiller. Or a strategy now, but one, one could argue. They have- the whole thing has been thrown into disarray. They don't really know what they're doing. They're too busy in fighting. Nobody's actually working out how to do stuff or present things. And it's it's a it's a mess. It What's a better term? Right at the minute, for those of us who are sitting on the outside edge, Nissan is a mess. Yep. I saw today it was released the global car production figures. And hmm. uh third. Yeah. And somebody made the comment, I'll be surprised if that's still an entity by the end of the year. Yeah. And I thought, actually, that's a good shout, that is. Yeah, yeah, I, I agreed with that particular shout. Yes, I saw that. And it's it's true, because, you know, Renault at least have some desirable products. Mm. They, they appear to have a plan. Have a plan, have have new or newish vehicles, although they might look just the same as the old ones. But, you know, how much longer is the Duke going to continue? Well, we got that teased last week, didn't we? I'm going to say did we, because I was on holiday and I wasn't really paying attention, I'm afraid. Well, the, you didn't miss much. I, I, um, it looks like it's going to be a Duke with the new Nissan grill nose thing slapped on. Oh, wow. Cool. Which will make it a little bit more challenging to look at, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> really? That's quite something with a Duke. I actually don't think the Duke... Well, I, I quite like the Duke, although I also think it's ugly. So, I mean, you're not really selling it to me there. No. By saying, yeah, it's it's, it's ugly, but not pleasant. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that's a lot of it. It's of, uh, So, of those 12,500, 6,400 have already been implemented. There's going to be another six locations where those the 6,100 are going to go. And that's going to go over the next two years. So between the 2020, 2022 financial years. Yeah. And they're talking about reduction in capacity and the number of models by 10% by the end of 2022, Mm. which that's another manufacturer's cutting models. Yeah. Compact cars and Datsun is where those are going to go, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't. Well, I mean, I know Datsun was never in our market, but they could have brought Datsun in as a bit of a Dacia. Like yeah. Well, they couldn't, you see, because they'd just be competing with themselves. Well, yeah, I suppose there is that. Because they'd, they'd essentially be competing with the rest of the alliance. And the market's not big enough when it's really the market's not big enough. Yeah. And part of the problem that, that I mean, Dacia and stuff do well, do decently well, because the market is splitting itself in two. And this yeah. is the problem that Ford has in that you're either going premium even if premium is more common than non-premium, <laughs> or you've got budget. Yeah. Well, it's the same problem. You know, three series, five series, they all like sell them on Deo. Yeah, yeah. They're way more common. But no, somehow they're not premium or popular enough. So. Mm. Right, let's move on to... Sorry. Well, no, no. I mean, it's uh, to be fair, today is going to be a many... Much navel-gazing, I think, by OEMs has come 
has just become public because yeah. this has been bubbling away for quite a while and I think everything's coming to a head because we're talking to Aston Martin now. Just before we move on to it, we're going to, I think, I don't know what's going to happen. Well, I think there's two things this week, by the way. There is a bit of take out the trash week yep. because everybody's trying to get all this stuff out of the way when people are really focusing on the new prime minister here in the UK and his opinions on things. And as well as that, whilst... Tesla, which we're not going to talk about because we don't really talk about Tesla because everybody else talks about Tesla, is posting $400 million losses over a quarter based on not a huge 93,000 cars or something. And other people are these. uh, And then everybody is also hiding beneath that Tesla umbrella of gloom too. So the only stuff that's coming out really in the car world is, is people trying to sneak out bad news. Yep, I think so. I agree. Generally about the last quarter, yeah. Yeah, because because we've just had last quarter announcements as well, so yes. this is a good time to tell it, say it. So uh, shares in Aston Martin have dropped at the time this article was written on the twenty fourth of July. So that's a few. That's almost a week ago. More than twenty percent after they cut their sales forecast for twenty nineteen. They originally had a forecast of between seven thousand one hundred and seven thousand three hundred across Europe, but they've had to drop that down to six thousand three hundred, six thousand five hundred because there was, as quoted by, I'm quoting from the BBC News article that I'm quoting from Aston Martin, <laughs> challenging external environment had worsened and it ha- and it said, as had macroeconomic uncertainties. <laughs> well, yes, quite. Because yes. I think in here we have to be realistic. China, the, the great white whale that everybody thought would save the motoring industry, is actually now shrinking and is not an expanding market and mm. sales are dropping month on month on month on month, and they're not dropping small. They're dropping like 20 25% at a time, which when you're talking hundreds of millions of cars is quite a lot of cars not being sold. A lot of capacity. And there's other, there's other stuff there as well. Remember, there's, uh, there's Trump tax uh, and new tariffs go- yep. for vehicles going to and from you know, between China and the US, and that's not really helping. Then there's the um, whole huge worry that there's going to be a subprime issue with car finance, particularly in America. Mm-hmm. We really are a ray of sunshine tonight. I know, but but this is just, as I was saying before in the Nissan thing, this has been coming to a head for, I mean, we've, we've seen this at least 12 months out, haven't we? We've been muttering about this for a while. Yeah, and it's, it, you know, home to roost and all other cliches like that, but it, it's not a pretty sight. So again, when anybody makes any comments, because uh, I've seen it already a few times on Twitter about, oh, well, you see, this is nothing to do with Brexit. It's all to do with the motoring industry and others going, well, it's all to do with Brexit. No, it, it's all combined. They are all, it's all involved. All of it is. Some things are making some decisions easier than others. Yes, I agree. We'll get to see actually how Aston do because their their share prices dropped a bit after they initially went out, didn't they? Yeah, they they did. Now some now I read a, a comment somewhere, and I think it was again Financial Times in an article that's kind of region locked. It's paywalled here, but I don't think it's paywalled in France. And they were saying, well, the thing about it is that it's actually, you know, the people who ran the IPO, it's brilliant. They've made loads out of this. But for Aston, it was probably too early. Probably Mm. wasn't quite right. They were sort of pushed into it because they had to do it before, you know, certain dates and and things because they, they sort of needed to. But actually, it was too early. Just the way the quarters and everything run. Yeah, uh, and, and financial reporting, and they're saying that's it, and that that it should be probably wasn't the right thing to be doing at that moment in time. And part of the problem that there is here, of course, is that lots of employees bought shares were, and have shares, so it's sort of it's it's actually a problem in the factory as well. This, yeah, because I have seen reports, and this is allegedly and sources say, but that the the major shareholder from the Middle East has met, has allegedly mentioned. Uh, and, and offered to take up more shares uh, and put mm. more money into the company as well. So people are believing in Dr. Palmer's vision. Yeah. That isn't a problem. It's, it, as ever, with when it comes to share, I think it, it, 
It's gambling. Yes. It's gambling, and is, it is gambling. and it is very little to do with real business. Oh yeah, 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 totally. I mean, you just have to look at certain American technology companies, which may or may not happen to make four wheeled devices, <laughs> to know that that's the case. What the heck is that based on? You know, yeah. And that's the problem. That is the problem with stocks and shares. You know, you may go down as well as up, etc., etc., etc. Yep. And that's what's happening there. Anyway, Aston Martin, Aston Martin in financial trouble is hardly the most shocking and is hardly the most surprising story given Aston Martin's history. Although, despite share prices, it's still way more stable than it's it's ever been. Ah, oh, but also to say, Aston Martin are still very confident that they are moving in the right direction with their plan forward and to make it a, a consistently profitable business, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. So they're making the right sounds, and I think. They are prudently moving forward, but as you say, that doing the IPO may be just a bit too early. Yeah, I'm not an expert on that kind of stuff, by the way. So please, that's that's reporting what I read around the place. Yeah. What's up next? Oh, the next the next humongous loss uh, is <laughs> JLR, three hundred ninety-five million pounds in that in the previous quarter, in the first few months of 2019, 2020. Uh, they sold 128,615, which, by the way, I mentioned, I didn't quite mention Tesla earlier on. That's still quarter more than Tesla yep. sold in the last quarter. They, they shipped uh, 95,000. And they like didn't that. stop for the they invisible stop. Brexit that never happened. Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, they didn't plan in a month stop for an invisible Brexit, exactly. Uh, they were still trying to, you know, stick things together with chewing gum right the Tense way through. of the future. Um, building <laughs> It's the car of the future. Built in a tent. Temporary tent, not even a permanent proper tent. Filled them in the Millennium Dome, Jaguar. UK sales are up 2.6 year on year in that time. Uh, all sorts of bits and pieces. iPace and Evoke were up year on year, obviously. Uh, Evoke being a new model. And that doesn't really count facelifted XEs and disco sports and all that kind of thing. So, you know... It's bad. They're already doing cost cutting. We knew this was coming. It's not a big surprise. They seem to have it in control. That they are aware of it and are managing the situation, which I mm-hmm. perhaps in the past under other ownership they haven't been as yeah as in control of these things. So I feel a bit more confident about it in the, in this instance because if you're doing a restructuring and a, and you're having to revamp your business in a really fundamental way as well because mm. of past decisions or lack of them perhaps. And things out with your control. Exactly, yep, that too. Then it is going to get probably a little bit worse before it starts getting better in a very obvious way. So, yeah, it's not it's not good. And of course there's a new defender on its way as well. Well, yeah. It's it's not good. It's never good. It's it's not good, but they they seem to be they seem to be controlling it. It's like Aston. It's not great, but I feel that it is more stable understanding pocketed knew what they were getting into ownership behind it. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. For me, I I still don't know because they, I, I don't believe they've announced it, even though we've got less teased images of the new Defender. But what is the market for that vehicle? Who are they aiming that at? That will be key to helping them turn this around quicker. I think it's the Disco 3. I actually understand that product. I don't understand some of the rest of them. I, I, I think they may end up doing a range cull at some point soon as well. Mm. Yeah, I think, I think they'll have to. Some things may disappear to not be replaced. Yeah, yeah. Ragey Sport being a possible in my mind. Could be. I saw a disco tonight, actually, because I went to my fridge and discovered that I didn't have the dinner I thought I'd bought last night. So I don't know what I did with it. Uh, but it, again, it had a centralised rear number plate and it looked really good and it was kind of black infill. It looked very really smart. Yeah, we followed we followed one on the motorway not so long ago and it Did you feel slightly lopsided by the time you got to where you were going? Because that's what normally happens. Well, it just looked very top-heavy. Yeah. It it looked very narrow and tall, whereas the last generation didn't. But uh, let's not get into... Yeah, sorry. Let's not get into that because we could be here for a long while. (laughs) Basically, there's so much gloom that we're trying to distract ourselves from it. So come on, cheer us up and tell us about Ford axing probably one of the ugliest vehicles for sale at the moment. Yes, the Car Plus mini car, as it's described in this Automotive News Europe article. (laughs) 
<laughs> is going to is going to go. Um, they are, as we know, Ford are another company that is going through and culling their range. Mondeo, you mentioned earlier, that's we know that's on its way out. Whoosh. But the the car plus was the car with cladding on the side. And no, 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 no. The car plus, the car. That's you see, you're getting yourself mixed up. That's the car plus active. Ah, uh, sorry. It's, all yes. the it's actually the one that's not so bad, but that is practically the same, really, as the Eco Sport, not Eco Sport, because that's the engine. Yeah. Uh, and so, car's the sort of ugly one with the weird mouth. Yeah, it's uh, just it was, it's just ugly. It is ugly, and no amount of cladding on the active could help it. It didn't didn't make any difference. Uh, well, I actually saw one which looked all right. It was burgundy with a grey cladding. It looked it's, really quite it's smart. It's not a patch on the Fiesta. Oh, no, Fiesta Active is the one. The thing is, if they axe the Car Plus, what are people going to buy instead? They're going to buy a Fiesta, aren't they? Which they probably were anyway. Which they were probably going to do before they went off and looked at the Car Plus. So I don't understand how Ford loses in this, really. No, and it's really, it's, it's, it, as a model, it wasn't intended for Europe anyhow. Yeah. It was intended for India and developing markets, yeah, South America and stuff. Mm. So yeah, it doesn't. It's not a surprise. I don't see that as a loss. Yeah, it's 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 not a, not a surprise. Did you see the rendering of the Puma ST, by the way, or Puma RS? No. Oh, there were a couple going around today. They were quite smart looking. Okay. I'm trying to distract us from the bad the bad news. No, we're almost done with those. No, no, no. Come on, I think we've got we've got two more till we can take a breath. Two more, so come on. Really? Tell okay. me tell me about and this this is one I actually want to know about, actually. I am I am interested in this one. Tell me about BMW then, Alan. BMW just kinda of lost it at the minute. And the trouble is that they've got so many the trouble is they've got so many niches filled that it's ridiculous. So they are talking, according to this from Automobile magazine, they are they are doing some serious talking about culling models. They need to. They just can't develop properly all these models they can't retain them they're just not all making money the thing is that some of the stuff that they're getting rid of is quite weird this article by the way is written from a rather american point of view Mm -hmm. so it comments here that the rear wheel drive one series two series and lower trim three series contribute very little to the bottom line i don't agree with that not if you come to this country (laughs) i am sure that's the case in north america but if you're in Europe, that is not the case. Oh. Okay? They're everywhere. Yeah. Okay. And the front wheel drive ones will be, which are coming through, will be cheaper to build. Probably not as interesting. But for the vast, vast majority of people who buy a car. Majority of people, it makes no difference. I know, I know. They don't I know. care. I know, and I know. And it's great that we are actually annoyed about this and we do get angry and stroppy about it. And so we should. Otherwise. They're just all we're going to get is just boxes. It's just going to be white goods on the, the road. The thing is that the companies that we used to talk about just creating boxes and white goods are now the ones saying, "Well, we don't want any more, no more boring cars." Yep. And going off and hiring people from BMW to make interesting cars because they understand that interesting cars are interesting and bring people and have a halo effect. Yeah. So I don't understand how that follows. Anyway, they're talking about getting rid of three door one series, the two series Grand Tourer. It's not Grand Tour, is it? Is that, that's that's the, the MP- MPV thingy. That's the MPV thing. So that's Hideous. the, yeah. <sighs> the 3 Series Grand Tour. That's the, yeah, that's the sort of, it's like a Austin Ambassador. Again, dreadful. Again, they're talking about getting rid of the 2 Series convertible? I don't think they'll get rid of that. Uh, mm. Oh, they probably will, actually, given the new thing. No, everybody will have to buy a Mini, won't they? A standard Wheelbase 7 Series. The replacement for the Z4, allegedly. And the two-door 8-series variants. So the 8-series being the coupe based on the far... Is it still based on the 5-series? On the 5-series platform. But they're, what they're talking about is they're probably going to keep the 8-series Grand Coupe, which is the 4-door saloon based on the 2-door coupe based on the 4-door saloon. Yes. Yeah. I think we may have hit on a, a possible reason to BMW has possibly spread themselves wide rather than deep. <laughs> yeah, the 6 Series GT is a goner, which is the... Thank God. Essentially the... Uh, I'll say it again, Austin Ambassador version of the 5 Series. It's no, 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 r- no, the five, that's the 5 GT. 
No, it doesn't exist anymore. It's now a six. Oh, they called it a six G because they yeah because they got rid of the six series. How how are you not following this, Andrew? This I'm is sorry, so I've simple. not updated my crazy wall lately. Yeah. <laughs> yes, quite. The X two is supposed to not be around for very long, although I saw a lot of those in France. Um, is the X two the one with the badge that seems to be in an odd? It's the one with the badge in the wonky place. Yes. Okay. Yes. I finally seen the- one on the road actually this week. As I say, I was surprised at the number I saw in France. Ge- yeah, genuinely, yeah. Hmm. Um, and the, but they have signed off an X8. It's of like course they X- have. Supposedly, it's not just a coupe version of the gargantuan X7, quote unquote. And there'll be an M performance and X8 M forms. Of course, because why? Why wouldn't you need a performance version of a stately home? <sighs> And plug-in uh, hybrids, exactly. Yes, <laughs> totally. Uh, I8 might survive, etc., etc., etc. But it's all a bit ludicrous, really. Quite frankly, BMW lost the plot a little while ago. Yep. Yep, and the CEO has paid the price for that. The CEO has paid the price. The head of the design has paid the price. Yeah. Uh, let's see what happens. I think there is about to be a... I think there is a calm before the storm at BMW right at the minute. Yep. I think there's going to be a lot of change. I really hope that that change means that they are going to focus on core and simplify. I, I, what is core years, anymore? You know, well, yeah, that's what I was about to say, actually. <laughs> uh, because, I mean, years ago, right, I when we started this podcast, it was one of those things that I was going to – I thought I could make a little chart of this, mm. of all the, the, the sort of model ranges for BMW and for Mercedes and Audi and stuff. And it would be quite fun because you'd have small, medium, large, and then you'd have uh, then you'd have each of the different body styles, and then you could fill in, yeah, basically fill in the grid and see where they're missing. Yeah, I realised I was going to need a three to three. No, I re- realised I was going to need a four-dimensional grid to be able to do it. Yep, I needed a cube plus colours in order to show it, and frankly, I could not. I actually created. This is how I'm so sorry. I'm so sad. I actually created a spreadsheet at one point in the BMW range, but then I couldn't visualize it. <laughs> I, couldn't, I, I, could, I couldn't actually use any sort of standard visualization tools to work. I ended up talking to one of my colleagues to see if there was a Java plugin which could actually create stuff from tables of data. And he declared it was possible, but then I never got, we never kind of finished it off. Cause... So you could move in space or time, but so not So the idea both. was you would have to be able to move in, you would have to be able to move in space through it to get, because you had small, medium, large, extra large yeah. of, of everything in the grid. So yeah, I, I think that some simplification is a good idea. Once one of the big German companies does it, then the other two well, they must Three. also have the same well, same problem the with same. sales. They must have I the same problem. I can't believe that they don't, because I believe they look at one and go, oh, but they're doing it, therefore we have to do it. I mean, look at that GL, is it a GLE, an EGL, whatever the hell it is. There's a GLE, the, which is the sort of smaller... Is that the Coupe one? No, that's the GLC. Is that the one that's the equivalent of the X6? No, GLC is the little one, but no, it's a GLE, and the GLE comes as normal and as a Coupe, as a... See, see, I think we're proving the point. Can you see why this is hard? I've given up. I've lost the will on but this. But sales stuff. are down across the globe for all of them. So yeah. they must they must all So they must all be know. feeling the same pain. So but one of them has to go first. Yeah. Because it's all about loss of face. And BMW's already lost the face because they've lost the top billing, you know, this mythical most important or whatever it is that they lost down out to Mercon. Yeah. Uh so so they're going first, and you can bet that as soon as one of them moves to cull some of the, the more ridiculous corners of the, the grid, then the others will follow suit. Well, Audi will need to because VW needs to cut money as well, needs to cut costs, yeah. because they've got to funnel that into EVs, but they've also got to still pay off dieselgate bills. And why have super performance Audis when you have Porsches? Sorry, I don't understand that. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, without us giving any more free consultancy, of which yeah. if, if any of the German OEMs are actually looking for help, we are available for hire. Do not worry. I, I sound I sarcastic when I say that, but you know the, we're happy to help for quite a lot of money. It's what I do anyway. Yes. <laughs> Just R- not about cars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. I'm going to move on to the last news item before we get to 
the pause of breath and Alan can guilt you. Uh, and that is an article that was written by a friend of the show, Daniel Puddicombe, who brought it to my attention. Uh, it's only a, a, a brief little bit, but uh, when, just when you think the government can't hedge its bet anymore or perhaps send out more and more mixed messages, they have <laughs> reduced diesels on their government car service list and increased petrol and hybrid options. I can understand the hybrid options because that is seen, but to increase the petrol options for people to purchase <laughs> cars on government business, <laughs> it's just, oh yeah, we've got CO2 going through the roof because people are buying more and more petrol. I know, we'll <laughs> reduce, oh, just, oh, bless them. Bless them all. Yeah. So 21 petrol cars have been taken on. It's not huge numbers, is it? No, no. It's it's not massive amounts, but it just that perception and all that. And well, elbow I mean, and bottom. and. Well, I mean, it, there's stuff like Range Rover Fevs instead of diesel Range Rovers. Yeah, I could, I could totally see a hybrid coming in. Super, they're all going out and going, oh, not like the diesel, so I'll have supercharged V8, please. <laughs> well, also they want to. They want the uh, Range Rover Fevs because they've just guaranteed five hundred million quid on a loan. <laughs> well, yeah, there is that, isn't there? <laughs> Most of it's a bit silly, really, because a lot of the lower level stuff is farmed out to external companies who generally run Toyotas. Yep. So you do seem to, you know, that you see a lots of uh, lots of civil servants being moved around the place and. In essentially Toyota minicabs. Yeah, I mean, I know it's not that the, these two companies are not a civil service com- or local government or the government, but I saw that the post office is looking to increase the number of EVs it has, as well as British Finally. British Gas is working in conjunction with Ford on getting electrified or FEV and electric vans for them as well. Mm-hmm. So. They're they're making they're making steps, but as with all the electrified vehicles, supply supply cannot meet demand at the moment. Because mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I I was I was tweeted when I mentioned about how depressing the news was this week. I was tweeted about how uh, MG's electric SUV has got nearly five hundred orders already, mm-hmm. which is great news for MG. It's a lot for a, a lot for MG. Yeah, can't wait for that month to come in. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. Sparkling yes. news. Well, <laughs> yes, quite. I don't think they'll do that again. They got so much grief the last time. Yeah. Right, everyone. This is this is the end of the uh, depression. <laughs> you can tell by the fact we're in fits of laughter at the fact that there's it's so grim. But it is Giltman at the moment the point in the show, if you you know, haven't done any nasty yourself yet, uh, where we remind you to think about and consider what the Motoring Podcast is worth to you. If you feel it's worth a small amount of your hard-earned cash, then please head to motoringpodcast.com and click on the orange Become a Patron button right there on the front page. If you're already a patron, then thank you so very much. We understand, of course, not everyone has the ability to do this, so please don't forget to like, rate, and leave feedback via the podcast playing platform of your choice. If you've done all that, then you truly are wonderful. But how's about accosting a friend who you think would enjoy this and telling them all about us? If for some reason you don't actually subscribe to the show, how's about doing so for free? Uh, making sure that we come to you without the anxiety and worry that you may miss another sparkling installment of fantastic good news on our next uh, news show. <laughs> Possibly. Actually, it should have been our next news show at the end there. I just I mispronounced. I'm so sorry. Mm. Right, we've got a little bit of Formula E news, haven't we? Oh, it's super quick. Uh, Tom Blomqvist says he wants to return to Formula E next season. <laughs> there you go. I read some stuff about this. There's a lot of commentators mentioning that he actually was pretty good and got unfairly mm. blamed for a rubbish car and mm-hmm. for other people crashing into him and he was blamed. Yes. Um so it sounds that th- there's a lot of a lot of the commentators and a lot of the people who report on this saying that it would be great if he was back because he's actually quite a talent. He did only complete half a season with Andretti. Andretti were not were not particularly great. And that was in 2017-2018 so again completely different car now. Yep. Absolutely. Completely different setup. So uh, that would be good I think. Uh, we'll see. I don't know who'd replace but we'll see. 
Yeah. Right, quick bit of WRC news. It is Finland this weekend. Uh, Padden, who was due to come back in for Hyundai, is out due to an accident in testing, and it was, wow, a biggie. He and his co-driver are all right, but it was impressive, and he was very unlucky, to be fair to him. Uh, so he's out. Um, Elvin Evans was already out. He was due to come in as well, uh, and he was. But the problem was he got an injury at Rally Estonia while he was testing out the vehicle and setting that up. Uh, apparently, it was a particularly long jump, and he hit particularly hard. So he's been told he has to rest and recuperate mm-hmm. for fear of damaging uh, his back further. So that's news. Keep an eye out for that. Finland, lots of jumps. Lots and lots of jumps, and I would imagine mosquitoes the size of uh, small birds. Yes, probably. (laughs) That's what happens when it's a thousand leagues rally. Yep. (laughs) This is a call to action, I feel, this next one. This next one is a call to action, and it's me that's raised it, because quite frankly, I'm I'm sick of the loss of local motorsport venues. There is a coalition of residents, motorsport enthusiasts, businesses, community groups, uh, who are saying no to Colworth. So Colworth potentially is going to be the building of a new town in hundreds of acres of Bedfordshire countryside. Uh, and the reason we're mentioning it on here isn't because we've become, um, you know, the local planning podcast. <laughs> it's because uh, it's because this was going to be pretty much was going to end up pretty much right beside Santa Pod Raceway. I've always got mixed feelings about Santa Pod, uh, but it is the it is the UK's only permanent drag racing venue. It is the home of European drag racing. It is it is the major drag strip in in, in Europe, really. Mm. Built on a former World War II airbase, pretty much in the middle of nowhere, which is how it can get away with it because of the amount of noise that that is made. But the worry, one of the worries here, is that a lot of they're going to build lots of new houses. And everybody's going to say there's and people who bought them, you know, fifty plus years after Santa Pod started drag racing, are going to go. There's all this noise. Yep. All this noise. Got to close it down. And they'll win. And they'll win because that's what happens. Yep. The Bedford Council has taken it from its local plan. Has removed Colworth from its local plan 2030. The developer is trying to um, is trying to get it put back on the plan. So it's already pretty much teetering on the brink. But if you could. Visit say no to colworth.org and register support and sign the petition, then that would be a very much appreciated, uh, certainly by, by those of us who are motorsport fans in this part of the in this part of the country. Yeah, drug racing is not my cup of tea, but I will support the right for these people to be able to drag race on a properly built, properly yeah. run site that is would get shut down thanks to NIMBYs. Have you ever been? No. No. The trouble is that you've got to plan it and you've got to be quite flexible about it because because you've got to go on a good day. Are you saying trying to put 1,000 plus horsepower through two tiny bits of rubber in the wet is a bit tricky? No, it's just, <laughs> it's an airfield, mate. It's blooming miserable when it's wet and windy. <laughs> hey, we went to Anglesey. <laughs> we did, but somehow... <laughs> yes, it's like that, but flat. Yeah, um... I haven't been to pod in ages. I really should go run what I brung. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Lunchtime read. And this one's from Autocar, actually. And uh, I think there was they saw slow news happening as well. So they've had a little bit of uh, a chat in the office and yeah. decided to try and come up with, well, basically design a car or a vehicle that actually targets youth. And actually, more importantly, young active lifestyle people so i've been reading colin goodwin for at least half of my life <laughs> he'll be delighted Sorry. by that <laughs> but this this is a cracking article where they actually get somebody who is the target market of what car manufacturers are claiming they're after uh, and saying, right, this is the sort of vehicle these people want. Uh, and as it's the summer holidays as well, it's everyone timed. breaks out or hires or whatever the Volkswagen camper van and doesn't know how to drive it. But this is a cracking read, and I think they've made a, a fab little vehicle, actually, what they've designed. And uh, it just 
I'm not saying that I went down a rabbit hole who at the end of it was extreme overlanding vehicles on my design, but <laughs> for which I will never use, but there we go. But I reckon the ox, ox is no, perfect for something too, like no. this. No, something, no. something, not the ox, but something like the ox is a, is could be adapted in this way and could be sold in this country. Mm. I know its target is third world countries and where they don't normally get the vehicles and stuff. I understand that, but something. There are points here, like aircon is a must, but not climate control. And whilst there is a lot of debate as to whether windows should be wound up or electric, depending on which is actually cheaper. But the ox starts from two um, from two agricultural basis yeah yeah sorry no no yeah i know i yeah i'm just it squashing is. your dreams here but i i think something could be from with that idea in mind I, I like the idea of this in that it doesn't immediately take you from nothing to oh my goodness you need the full-fitted wardrobes yeah uh which is what they've tried to avoid and i think they've done a really nice job of yeah. trying to avoid it plus it's got plastic cladding which is always a win we we love plastic cladding <laughs> we do <laughs> Car plastic. I mean, I I was I was praising the the car plus active earlier on because of its because of its plastic cladding. That's how much I like plastic cladding. I will argue with anyone that the Fiesta Active is the best looking car in the whole range because of the plastic cladding. The Fiesta range or the whole Ford range? Fiesta range. Yeah, because I think the Focus Active looks better. No, no, the front end of the Focus is not. No, no. All right. Yeah. Anyway, we love plastic cladding here. Yeah. Nice one. Thanks, Autocar. Something completely. Non-depressing. Talking of non-depressing, though, and that's why I threw in this this list yes. of the week. Of all the list of the we- lists of the week we could have had, cars that saved the company because we thought we had to look for something on an up. <laughs> it's just been. I know <laughs> this is how this is how bad we felt it was going to be. Yep. Yeah, so autocar again. Lots of autocar this week. Cars that saved the company. Twenty-ish of them. All sorts of stuff. What was my favourite though? I did have a particular favourite. Not just the Fiat Five Hundred. Uh, but there's some nice, uh, some nice analysis that goes along with this as well. Yeah. Uh, so the it's it's well worth reading. It's well worth reading the commentary. Commentary is the word I was looking for there. The XJ6. I was surprised by that in there because I d- I didn't know the history. No, no, I wasn't. The Volvo 700 was was the one that caught my eye for that particular reason. Yeah. I mean, I just remember there were loads and loads yeah, of them yeah, at, yeah. at school. You know, 700s were. What everywhere sports days would basically a row of them with the boots open. Yeah, and then they eventually became like local decorators' vans or people yeah, who did the gardening. Like here, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just fabulous. Well, at the same time as that, you see, so that was nineteen eighty two to nineteen ninety two. But towards the end of that, just as it was about to flip over into the nine hundred, then of course the Land Rover Discovery came along, and and that was everywhere as well. Yeah, the Disco One. It's it's an interesting list. I don't think that all of them des- saved the company. I, I would debate the Skoda Octavia, for example, as having saved Skoda. But he put it on the front foot, didn't it? It it, it made did, it yes. where people went, oh, actually, I quite like. I'll I don't mind hmm. the badge. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It was the one that sort of said, well, "This is don't make skip jokes about this." Yeah, uh, but certainly the Boxster, the Elise. I mean, some of the cars they've picked are are for companies that no longer exist. So that's a bit of a moot point. <laughs> Not many. Which one? MGF. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't really completely say it. Yes, the that TVR. Was the one. <laughs> yeah, at the time they saved yes. the company. I think that's fair. Yeah, no, no. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, it's it, it's a goodie. It's a good list that one. Well done, Autica. Yep, it is a good list that. And finally, and another. <laughs> right. Okay. I think we're we're descending into uh, almost uh, hysteria. As far as the need, desperately needing something different to think about, and uh, Alan found this on Hooniverse, and it is the best stroke worst Instagram accounts you're not following. <laughs> and, uh, this is from Russia. Mm-hmm. It's called Otto Samodelka. Yes, there are. It's basically butchered cars mm-hmm. that have been DIY'd, and there are some frankly amazing stroke horrifying things on here i mean for, yeah. for example when you scroll down through the article the batisk uh, that's where they are isn't it batayas the very last thing sorry no that that's where that's that's the location yeah. yeah so i don't know what that is but there are multiple pictures of it you have to click on the link to uh, have a look but it's 
it sort of reminds me a little bit of the eagle thrust, whatever it was that Top Gear made. Oh, with- come on. I think you're being a bit harsh. It is very much in the... It's it's in the sort of budget... Well, there's no A-pillar. No, it's... it's- <laughs> The aesthetics are budget Thunderbirds. Yes, I think if you if you like a straight line, this is the vehicle for you. Yeah, it's it's really cool. But uh, all I mean, there's all sorts of stuff. I mean, there's a Lada Neva with a Rav Four front end grafted onto it, which looks there's broken. All sorts of things. It's it's brilliant. Yeah, there are um, there are some eye opening vehicles on this list. Yeah, as as it says up up at the top, it's the Instagram. Kind of Otto Samodelka. These are totally hacked, hacked cars that exemplify, and there's a little bit of editing, uh, inspirations made by large amounts of vodka and too much free time. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's excellent stuff, whilst also being absolutely terribly awful. Mm. Do you go and enjoy it? Mm. If you want to see what a Deu, fr- a Deu Nexia front end grafted onto a Volga looks like, this is the place to do it. Yep. Parish notes before we round off. I just want to thank Rich, Alex, and Rachel for sitting, I assume, in for me. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for putting up with me. It was greatly appreciated. And this is off the back of last year's survey where we asked whenever we couldn't both be doing the show, how would you like it solo or would you like guest presenters? So we have worked very hard and these people have very kindly given up their spare time to, uh, to help present the show for you, the listener. So if you've enjoyed them being on, please do go and tell them via Twitter. If you can tell us at the same time, that would be quite good too. But I'm sure that's the case. Yes. One other thing, Ian Seabrook is still on his way around Europe. I believe he is now in Croatia. I think he, I think I saw he, he, he has entered made this it morning. to Croatia. I'm I'm catching up because I haven't had I haven't had YouTube's. In my mind, he's only just reached Normandy, but he's been from Normandy. <laughs> Back the way across. Depends which timeline I'm working on. Chris, he has taken early to Croatia. Do follow him. Do go uh, see him. Uh, follow, subscribe to Hubnut on YouTube, uh, and you can follow all. I think he's on part fourteen or something. Yeah, yeah. There's a <laughs> lot of videos, uh, but do do go watch because it's a really interesting sort of trundle around Europe, really. Yeah, and it's Ian, so it's 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 easy watching and listening. Yep, absolutely, thoroughly enjoyable. That's about it. It is. For this week, isn't it? Uh, hopefully, well, hopefully it'll be better news next week. I'm sure it will be. Yes. And for patrons, hopefully we'll have streaming again. That is hopefully, yeah, it should hopefully, should be yes. okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. But anyway, don't forget, between now and then, you can give us any feedback, share your thoughts on the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget about our all Patreon offer. <laughs> <laughs> please don't forget about our patreon offer available at motoringpodcast.com slash support and please leave a review and rating on apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such thing it really does matter google podcast works as well by the way uh andrew what's the best way to get in touch with you best way to get in touch with me is via twitter if you search for crack windscreen you'll find me there and alan if people want to get in touch with you and ask how is it getting back on that rusty horse what's the best (laughs) way for them to do that the trouble is you never edit it out uh it's twitter where i'm at ajp bradley that's b-r-a-d-l-e-y as i said we'll be back next week but until then i've been alan bradley i've been andrew clues and safe motoring